Hey, everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald, and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're going to find two things in this feed in this season. You're going to find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois, and you're going to find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly, and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're going to find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. thrilled that you're here, and uh, I have a word I'm excited to share with you today. Uh, our music director, Austin, is here with us today. He's, uh, yeah, okay. Well, listen, for the time to clap. He uh, is sent out from our church full-time on tour uh, with the show Hamilton all over the country, week by week by week. And this is like one of his one Sundays off uh, for around the year, and he's thrilled to be here. He gives in a ton of time and energy uh, to help the things that are happening here. And so uh, I'm really appreciative of his investment, and uh, I think he's about to stop playing, so I have to go it alone from here. Thank you so much. If you have a Bible, I hope you'll turn in the book of Hebrews to chapter 12. We've been in a series of messages just four weeks to kind of get us moving from the summer into the fall, which this is kind of like the end of being able to pretend like it's the summer, isn't it? This is kind of like the end, and even today it's like a little, a little dark, and it's a little, it's a little rainy-ish, and everybody's going a little slower, and yada, 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 and uh, we've been talking about the truth that Jesus is worthy. What it means that Jesus is worthy is when you add up what the scripture says about him and you put it on a scale, who he actually is measures up. We all have this experience uh, in life of different times of being told things or something, and then you find out that there's something different and you feel disillusioned or disappointed or frustrated. And the amazing truth about Jesus Christ is that the Bible paints this picture of an incredible God and who he actually is. He's worthy. It adds up. And so this is the picture that I wanted to talk about for these few weeks, and today I want to talk to you from Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read the first four verses. I think that what we have today is going to encourage you quite a bit. I'm hopeful it will. If you're there uh, in Hebrews 12 and you're ready, just say, I'm ready. ready. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, uh, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Uh, The message today is called Don't Quit, Keep Running, Jesus is Worthy. Don't quit. Keep running. Jesus is worthy. We get to today, and it's a holiday weekend, and we gather a room full of people, and then in an hour there'll be a whole other room full of people. And every single person that walks in the door is bringing a different collection of joys and frustrations and challenges and uncertainties in the door. And uh, it's one of the reasons why I like to stand outside as people are coming in and talk to people is you get that sense. You can usually read it on people's faces. Good week, bad week, difficult week, challenging week. Excited to be here. Could barely drag myself here. Maybe I'm going to give it one more chance and then I'll never be back in here. 
I'm going to go through the front door so I don't have to see the pastor. You know, all those different things that people do because we all bring this, we all bring different stuff to it. We all bring different stuff to it. And so often we get bogged down in our sense of I'm not doing good enough. Instead of keeping sight of the biblical picture, which is that if you're still in the race, you still have everything that you need to win. All there is, as far as following Jesus, are, are you still going, or did you get off the track somewhere and give it up? All there is, there's not, I mean, we want to run, and we want to grow, and we want to get, like, want to grow in Christ-likeness, but sometimes, if we're being honest, anybody ever had a season in life where it felt like mainly I was honestly going sideways, or maybe going a little backward? Am I the only one? Okay, like two honest people, and then we're going we're gonna to change this, going to be a message about lying from here <laughs> on in. So we have that sense of, sometimes I'm going forward. And sometimes it feels like I'm giving it everything I got. It still feels like I'm going sideways. That's where we meet Jesus. And like this text says, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. I came to say something today. It's really just one big sentence. I'm going to say it over and over. And it's this. that Inspired by heroes of faith and fueled by Jesus' example and power, I must shed every weight and every sin to keep running. That's what this text is saying, and that's what it's about. Let me just start at the beginning, and we'll just go phrase by phrase till we finished it. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. If you're familiar with the Bible, you might know that the chapter right before the one we're studying here, Hebrews chapter 11, is like the hall of fame of faith. It tells the stories of all the people who believed God all through the history of the Bible and all the amazing things that happened because of it. And now the writer is turning. He's saying, now, because we're surrounded by so many people who've gone before, that's the fuel to keep on running. That's the fuel to keep on running is a bunch of other people have been able to do it. If you were, uh, you know, you, you go around and you see those people that have that 26.2, like, little sticker on the back of, like, their Subaru or whatever, and you, and you, have, this, you have this sense, like, that you kind of, I don't know about you, but you have that sense, like, I don't like this person already, just from that, like, little thing. Anyone else feel that way? That, like, when you see the runners, you're kind of like, I get it. Uh, if you were to tell me, based on the life that I have lived, that it is possible to run 26.2 miles, I would tell you from my personal life experiences that I have lived, it is not possible. I'm not sure this body that God gave me can go 2.62 miles. But it, I believe it's possible. Why do I believe it's possible? Well, because a whole bunch of other people have done it, and they can't wait to tell you about it. It's they, they <laughs> My sense of what is possible is informed by what I've seen other people do. And what we're supposed to see and understand is that we can look in the Bible and in the history of the church and at people right around us and see you can go through, I mean this word, anything. And keep on running in faith with Jesus. And the fuel is, they did it. They did it. And we're so prone, all of us, to see our particular spot as the hardest it's ever been. This world is the most challenging. And if you just kind of open it up, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, they're all around us, that is the fuel to lay aside every weight and sin and run with endurance. And when you look at the cloud of witnesses, it's important that you know this. It's important that you know that Jesus came uh, from all kinds of people and for all kinds of people. 
Jesus came from all kinds of people and for all kinds of people, which means you are not from the wrong side of town, and thus you can't keep on running this race. It doesn't matter what your background is. You may be like, I, I came, I met somebody today who uh, is here for the first time, and, and they, like, they were like, it was just a thing to get in the doors of church. And some of us, uh, self-included, have been in church so many times that sometimes we have to remember not to take it for granted. And you may think, I didn't come from the right kind of family, or I don't have the right kind of background, or I've made too many mistakes, or you don't know what I did when I was in my 20s. And you may think, like, ah, I must have missed it. If you go through in Hebrews 11 and an experience through church history and an experience right now, you would not believe the junk in the background of some people who keep on running the race with strength and endurance. Jesus came from all kinds of people. Like, there's some really nasty narratives in the story. And he came for all kinds of people. The point is, it doesn't matter what got you to right here. You can run the race and win. There's uh, lots of people in the cloud of witnesses. I was thinking of Joseph. If you know the story of Joseph, we preached through it last year, who was betrayed by his family, who spent decades in prison and unfairly accused. He was hurt in all kinds of different ways. Yet, when he surveyed his life, he was able to say even all the bad things that happened. I think I have a fun picture of him with the coat of many colors. Even all the bad things that happened, God was working the bad things that happened for good. No matter what bad things have happened around you, Joseph is in the cloud of witnesses to say to you, it's not too much, you can run the race. I was reading something this week uh, about Sojourner Truth. She lived in the 1800s. She uh, delivered a speech on the 8th anniversary of the Emancipation Proclamation. So that's in like the 1870s. We got a picture of her too. And she admitted, although she once hated white people for what they had done to her when she was enslaved, once she found her final master, Jesus, she was filled with love towards all people. That's a deeper thing than I've ever said out loud or been able to say out loud. And she was a woman of faith from the cloud of witnesses to say to you, it doesn't matter what you've experienced or been through, you can run the race and not quit or give up. Uh, my friend here who was leading worship in the front row, he's sitting in the front row now and he was leading worship today. Uh, this is my friend. Uh, that's him, that's him, that's him. It's my friend Kurt. And uh, we uh, became friends. We were ministering together in L.A. a few years ago. And he is, and I say this with no reservation, the most joyful human being that I have ever known in my entire life on this planet. So much so that, like, uh, my kids were like, Dad, where's Kurt? We want to hang out with Kurt. And I was kind of like, what a, we can hang out with you anytime. That was kind of what the, I got yesterday. He is overflowing with joy all the time. And the people that know him are blessed because of this joy. But the joy that overflows, the big smile and the, the belly laugh and the enthusiasm that he fills the room with everywhere he goes is not because his circumstances have been easy or perfect. Only heaven knows uh, the earthly pain and church hurt stuff and all kinds of the backgrounds that he's been through as we become friends. There's deep, 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 deep waters which should be drawing our attention to the truth that my outward enthusiasm is not directly tied to my experience. It is tied to my sense that because of the great cloud of witnesses, it doesn't matter how bad it is right now, I can be overflowing with joy. We got to get away, and we've talked about this so many times before, we got to get away from this idea that I'll be happy when things are good. I'll be generous when things are good. I'll be excited when, no, 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 no. God is going to keep on giving us challenges, frankly. Usually, if you're a follower of Jesus, the reward for passing a test or making it through a challenge, if you've been around a minute, you know what it is. It's like two good weeks, and then an even bigger challenge comes around the corner. And so that's that first phrase, that we should find inspiration 
in the heroes of faith, the cloud of witnesses, the people all around us, to not quit the race, but to keep on running because Jesus is worthy. The next part, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race set before us. Verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. We should notice the people around us, but we should look and trust in Jesus. The people around us can be fuel and inside they can be inspiration for us. But if we're looking to people, people are always going to let us down. But Jesus is never going to let us down. It says there that we should be fueled by Jesus' example and power. Why? Because he is the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now is seated at the right hand of God. Jesus' example and power is what helps us keep on running. Sometimes we get to this kind of moment where we go past people being an inspiration to us and we, we cling so tightly to some person and kind of they become more to us than they should be, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And when people become more to us than they should be, they can't help but disappoint us and then we end up often ending up having to hate them for it. And it's true for Christians, and it's true for people in marriages, and it's true for people in friendships that, well, let me say, I heard it this way in a book I read, and it's really true, that when we need people less, it allows us, you can throw that up there, to love them more. And one of the reasons why in parent-child relationships as the kids get over, or in marriage relationships, or in uh, relationships that people have with a pastor or some kind of spiritual mentor, sometimes it gets so, like, intense and broken is because when we want people to be Jesus for us, inevitably they eventually give us back, I'm just a person, I can't do all that. I can't do all that. I can't be Jesus for you. I can just be your friend or your mom or your, I can do my best. And when we can just love people where they are and be inspired by them, that gets really good. But when we need them to be something, that's what's being drawn to our attention here when it says that Jesus is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. We're going to do our best. There's some great people all around this room that love Jesus and inspire me by the way they follow him. But they're not the founder and perfecter of the faith. Jesus is the founder and perfecter of the faith. So look what Jesus did here. This is 12 and 1. We're in verse 2. He's the founder and the perfecter of our faith. So he's the person who started it and the best version of it. And it says that what Jesus did was because of the joy that was set before him, his desire to reach the prize is what that means, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He endured the cross, despising the shame. This is really, I think, interesting. Jesus did the thing that he had to do, but he didn't allow himself to be made into the person that that thing wanted him to be. A different way of saying it is Jesus was willing to take the path that he had to do. Like, you could say it this way, uh, we must endure the pain, but despise the shame. Do you see it? It's right there in your Bible. We must, on the one hand, endure the pain of the things that God allows into our lives, but we must despise the accompanying shame. Here's what that means. Pain is this feels bad in that sentence. Shame is I am bad. And getting the difference is really important. So God may call you, God may allow 
God may allow you to go. Okay, one. Now we'll see if we can get the rest. Now, I already showed a picture of you, so you were already in the sermon, so you must have been easy to get excited. God may allow you to go through a divorce. He may. It's not his design. That's not his heart. That's not his desire. But it may get so broken, you may go through a divorce. And that is going to feel really brutal to walk through. And you cannot avoid the pain of the thing. But what you can avoid is the conclusion that other people may draw or the devil may put in your head that because of the pain that you're in and the thing you're going through, that means you are only just that thing. You are bad. Your identity is not the painful things that God is allowing you to walk through is what I'm saying. And so, and so, and so, I'm going to try to get it even better. So maybe we'll get a second where you want to clap. We'll see if we can get it all the way there. Do you see what Jesus did? God called Jesus Christ, his only son, to walk to the cross. And he had no choice but to carry that big thing and to feel it in his back, to feel the crown of thorns in his brow and to feel the nails go into his body. He had no choice but to accept the physical thing that was the path that God caused him to walk down. But what he did not have to do was start to believe that he was the criminal that the court, the kangaroo court, said that he was. And so many people need to get this message so deep down into their heart that you can't avoid the reality of your circumstances. You ever known those people that, like, get a bad result from the doctor and they think, if I just never tell anybody or say it out loud, it means that it isn't true or didn't happen? You ever know one of those kind of people and they're like, oh, no, if I don't acknowledge it, it isn't real. No, you can't do that. You have to be real about life and what's happening. So sometimes you just got to be honest enough to say the business is bankrupt. My kid is a prodigal. This thing isn't working. Whatever. You got to acknowledge the reality of the thing you're going through. But you do not have to accept the verdict that the enemy would put on you because of it. I wrote it down like this. uh, Reject permanent verdicts. We must, but you have to absorb temporary challenges. Do you see the difference? Jesus Christ went to the cross. He had no choice. He had to do it. But he didn't have to allow himself internally to believe that he was someone who deserved to be on the cross. And so many people get caught up in the race and don't keep on running in faith because they allow themselves to be made to feel, if we're being honest, often by religious people, that they are nothing more than that bad choice they made, than that bad thing that happened over there. And we must reject that like Jesus did. He had to endure the pain, yet despise the shame. Now I want to go back to the part in verse 1, because we're now we're building this sentence up. Inspired by heroes of faith, we've talked about that. We've talked about being fueled by Jesus' example and power. I must shed every weight and every sin to keep on running. See it there in... Verse 1, it says, since we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sing the, uh, sin that clings so closely. Every weight, every sin. Uh, in the first century, which is when this is written, uh, runners in the Olympics and in their races ran very, very close, virtually naked. They would enter wearing these long, colorful robes into a big kind of ornate ceremony, and then they would take all this stuff off down to the minimum while they were running, so there was no, you know, like, wind that would mess them up or whatever. And that's the picture and the wording that the writer here is using. Well, of course, if you're wearing, like, a big, thick sweater when you're trying to run a race, it's going to weigh you down. So you got to lay aside every weight. you got to lay aside every weight, 
and he draws a distinction between weight and sin. There's two different things happening here. There's stuff that is God told me to do X and I chose to do Y. That's sin. We're going to talk about that in a second. That's over here. But there's a lot of things in life that aren't just as simple as right, wrong, sin or not. So much of life, does anyone feel like this, that so often the choices I have to make feel like I'm in this gray area where I'm trying to be wise and it doesn't always feel super clear? Anyone else feel this way? We have to learn as Christians and people of faith to not just notice things that are sin, but also notice things that are weights, things that weigh us down. This is what Paul was getting at in 1 Corinthians when he said, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things are to build up. There's some weights that we need to lay aside. Why? Because when we're weighed down, we can't run the race the way we want to. I brought a list of four. Here's common weights we must lay aside. These are things that are weighing you down so you can't run the race of following Jesus the way that you want to. Uh, one, we are weighed down by being disappointed in people. We start off with this naive enthusiasm of, if I'm just kind to everybody, they'll be kind to me, and I'm just going to go work at a place, and I'm sure they're going to treat me with tons of respect in the place that I work. And, you know, I'm just going to fall in love, and it's going to be easy and perfect. We're going to have these beautiful kids, and it's all just going to be easy. That's like when you're 16 or whatever. And then you go through life, and am I telling the truth? People disappoint you. People disappoint you. People disappoint you. People of faith disappoint you. And it can become a weight that you carry around that makes it hard for you to engage in new relationships, hard for you to try new things because you're like, I've been hurt before, and the worst thing that I could feel is to be hurt again, so I'm just going to stand away. Am I tell anybody, am I telling the truth? And so disappointment in people is a weight that we have to cast aside. It doesn't mean that we're naive. It means that while we're here on earth, we have to open ourselves to people if we want to live. Another one, uh, common weights we must lay aside is uh, being disillusioned with the system. Get around a lot of people like this. They're like, oh, the government. Uh, Illinois. Uh. I don't know, guys. We're here. So what can I tell you? I've heard all your spiels about why Indiana's better. I've spent some time there myself. I'm going to be honest. Indiana, very lame. Very lame. Very lame. Indiana, very lame. Wisconsin, very lame. There's a reason. There's not very much taxes. There's no one who wants to be there and nothing to do is all. But people get in this like, people get in this like, Oh, the state that I live in, the politics are so bad, it's so unfair. Can you believe they're forgiving the student debt? The thing is... Like, guys, the system's broken. It's like super broken. Run for office if you want, or vote, or, or try to make it better, or go help the school across the street, or do something. The system's broken. But if we let the system is broken put us over here in the cheap seats just complaining and not entering in and doing something, it's a weight that is keeping us from running the race. The system is never gonna be fixed until Jesus makes his way back to this planet. Now that doesn't mean we're passive and it doesn't mean we don't try to do our best to help or whatever, but we're not trusting in chariots, we're not trusting in horses, we're trusting in the name of the Lord our God. Disillusionment with the system gets people so bogged down. It's a weight. We also get distracted sometimes by other people's progress. We talk about this a lot. My boys are all uh, playing sports and stuff. Um, and it's really easy to get to this other friend of mine is doing better. This kid, uh, from uh, he's not in here right now. Uh, we were at a football game the other night, and my oldest saw this kid who's one of his rivals in basketball. And I saw him, he like clenched his fist and started mumbling. So did you see his hair and the way he was walking? It's, that's not him, is it? It's so, good. 
Sorry, I was telling a joke, Char. I apologize. It wasn't about you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's so easy, isn't it, to get distracted by the car my friend's driving, by the house my friend is living in, by the, how my friend's kids are doing, by this or that or the other thing. And when I'm distracted by other people's progress, when I'm noticing how far they're getting in there, like half the time when people are pretending like it's going great, to be honest, like underneath it's a total disaster and you just don't know it. Just get that for free. I've watched it for a long time. The harder someone's trying to sell you how great their life is going, the more it's probably a disaster on the inside. Anyway, when I'm distracted by other people's progress, instead of focusing on the race that I'm running, it's a weight that is keeping me from running the race, and I have to cast it aside for. i got to go a little faster. Uh, a distorted view of the future is a weight I must lay aside. We all have to get to a place where we let go of this idea that eventually I'm going to be really rich, and it's going to be really easy, and I'm not going to have any problems, and I'm not going to have anything that stresses me out, and I'm just going to be laying by the pool, uh, drinking whatever you'd want to put into that sentence, and it's going to be easy. God did not put us on this earth to earn a path to ease. He put us on this earth to serve him, and usually that is from places of challenge. These are weights we got to lay aside. But we also have to not just lay aside the weights, we also have to deal with the sin which clings so closely. The sin which clings so closely. That word there, clings, is the idea of uh, to ensnare. It reminded me of, do you ever have one of those wool sweaters and then you get it caught on something and it starts to pull? And then you're like, oh man, it's over. Sweater, that's, that was it, it's over. Once the sweater gets pulled, you know what I'm talking about? That's what sin does to you and to me. I'm going along and things are going just fine. And then I get caught and then it starts to pull and I'm stuck. Sin is any choice that I make that's different than the choices God wants me to make. And sin always overpromises and always underdelivers. The best part of sin is the moment right before you grab onto it. And then after that is the frustration and the regret and the why did I go over there? It's uh it costs you more, how does that go? It costs you more than you want to pay. It keeps you longer than you want to stay. Sin is constantly in the process of tricking us into thinking that if I go a different way than the way God wants me to go, it'll be better. It'll be easier. It'll be... And we can do the part where we talk about how bad sin is but what about the part about how bad sin is for me? Sure, it disappoints God, and we have to pay something from it. But man, sin wrecks so many things inside of me. It's, so many people have no ability to be delighted in the person they're married to because of all the junk they've put in front of their eyes for so long. And so many people have no ability to be content in what they have because they've longed and demanded in their heart that God give them what someone else has for so long. And so many people have no ability to enjoy the kids God gave them because they have a covetous spirit wishing they had somebody else's kids. And on and on and on and on it goes. And sin hurts us. It hurts us. And the reason why it's so frustrating is it clings so close. If all it took, man, if all it took was one time to say, God, help me get away from this sin, and then I was fine, how great would that be? Anybody? I mean, but it, it keeps on to us, and the longer you stay in a habit, the harder it is to break. And isn't it amazing, friends, don't leave me here, isn't it amazing how something can disgust you? 
and yet you run right back to it the first time you have a bad day. So inspired by heroes of faith and fueled by Jesus' example, what am I trying to do? I gotta shed every weight and I gotta shed every sin because I gotta keep on running. I gotta keep on running. Notice that what it says there is uh, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. That's the center of this passage. That's why I'm coming to it last. Run with endurance. That's a Greek word that can also be translated perseverance, and it's the idea not just of a one-time choice, but an active endurance. It means it's another Sunday, and I'm at church, and I'm going to keep following Jesus, and I'm not going to quit, even though it doesn't feel very good. With the understanding that it's going to be next like seven days from right now, it's going to be another Sunday where I'm going to have to say, didn't really go my way this week, to be honest, but you know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to quit. Not going to quit. I'm 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 going to keep on running. Uh, notice that it says there, the race set before us. The race set before us. The race set before us is generally to follow Jesus, but it's specifically to navigate the unique challenges of our individual lives. You can't follow Jesus by trying to run somebody else's race. Now, let's just be, like, real, real honest. Anybody ever have one of those moments where you, like, feel, I'm looking for some participation here, where you feel like, I'd like to run somebody else's race for a while. I'm a little hard of the challenges in this race. Anybody ever feel that? I can't tell you how often, if I'm being honest, I can't tell you how often in my deepest heart, I can't tell you how often in my deepest heart I say, Lord, I'm so tired of running this race. Can I just can I just run Kurt's race for a while? Okay. Can I just run Brian's race for a while? Can I just can I just run Tim Tebow's race for like a second? It's like what I don't even get it. Like his biceps and he's the coolest guy. I don't even understand. It's like But the reason why it seems easy to run somebody else's race is because we don't know what it's like to run somebody else's race. So we have like perfect knowledge of what's hard about running my race and only the highlight reels of what everybody else's race looks like. And it tempts us into thinking, it'd be easier over there. Nah, I remember, <laughs> I remember uh, when Carter, our oldest, came home from school when we were living in California. He was like, Dad, do you know that people don't like it here either? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? He's like, people complain like about how about like that the weather's always the same and that it's always warm and that there's no winter and they complain about like how expensive it is and the beach and everything and he was like and it was like he had no what a powerful lesson that we all need to learn that God didn't call you to run somebody else's race he called you to run what does it say there the race set before you and so sometimes you just got to say and we're almost done now you can start to play and we're going to sing in just a second but we're not done just stick with me here Sometimes you just got to say, I will not quit. I'm just not going to 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 quit. Doesn't mean I'm not going to feel lonely by the time I go to bed tonight. I may, I probably still will, but I'm not going to quit. And, and it's not getting the way that I, I want it to be right now. It just isn't the way that I want it to be. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep on waving that flag that Jesus is the answer. 
and Jesus is the thing that I'm hoping in, and Jesus is the thing that I'm resting in, and I got all my chips in the middle of the table, and it's on Jesus Christ is everything that he says he is. He is the founder and perfecter of the faith. He is the one that I trust in above all others, and I'm just not going to quit. I'm not going to quit. I'm just not going to quit. And what's so hard about that is there's like no good outcome from I'm not going to quit, because tomorrow's probably going to feel the same as it feels today. And I'm not all of a sudden going to wake up and be really healthy in my mind. The mental health struggle that I have is still going to be right there. But what I'm going to keep doing is I'm going to keep on fighting and I'm not going to quit. I'm going to run the race set before me. I'm going to grab on to everything I can from the people in the past and the people around me that's going to fuel me. And I'm going to keep looking to Jesus knowing that he's perfect. And I'm going to put every weight that I can aside. And I'm going to keep doing everything I can to overcome the sin and the broken stuff. And I'm just going to keep on running with endurance, the race that he set before me, even when I don't feel like it, which if I'm being honest, most of the days I don't really feel like it. Most of the days I don't really feel like it. There's not that many days where I wake up and I mean, you ever get around those people that are like, I love to run? I, we talked about this, but it's like, you do, do you though? Do you though, really? The race is hard and it is challenging, but do you know, amazingly, you don't have to do something great today to honor your God, your Father in heaven, all you gotta do is just not quit. All you gotta do is stand to your feet and put your shoulders back and your head high and say, the race that is set before me is the race that I'm gonna run. The race that is set before me is the race that I'm gonna run. I'm gonna stop changing lanes. I'm gonna stop trying to fix it. I'm just gonna trust him. I'm gonna keep on running. Bow your head with me, let's pray. Lord, we're asking for faith today. We're asking for faith today all around the room to get in our mind and heart the truth that you are worthy. And because you're worthy, I'm not going to quit. Because you're worthy, I'm not going to quit. Because you're worthy, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do, and I'm going to keep on doing it even when I don't feel like it. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand to your feet. Let's sing together. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is Good News.